Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Elijah, he put his straw. I mentioned he had a straw. You know, he stuck his straw into the brook that he'd been drinking out of this whole time, and oh, I took a nice. Big gulp of refreshing spring water. Seriously, he keeps thinking, somebody should bottle this stuff and sell it, you know? Man, he loves hanging out here in the shade, and 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 he just found a new shady spot today under this brook. Now, he's got to hide, right, because Jezebel and Ahab are hunting for him. And he's basically hiding out in the desert where nobody would even think of finding him by this brook. He is being fed by those ravens we talked about last time. Ravens. And and yesterday he's thinking, you know, oh, six ravens. And they carried a whole leg of lamb to him. You know, it was awesome. I can imagine every day Elijah's getting a new type of food. An omelet, leg of lamb, roast beef, you know, somebody's sandwich, a slice of apple pie. Every day it was exciting to see What are the ravens going to bring today for breakfast? What are the ravens today going to bring for lunch? What are the ravens going to bring for supper? And every time you got to drink that beautiful spring water. And we don't know how long he'd been there, right? It says in 1 Kings 17 that he went and he told the king that it's not going to rain till Yahweh. God Almighty says it's going to rain. And that's right in the face of the God you're worshiping, Baal. Israel should be worshiping Yahweh, but you, Ahab, and Jezebel have led Israel in the worship of Baal, and this is bad, bad stuff. And so he's been hiding. And every day the ravens have been feeding him, and he's been drinking water. And then every day he plays a new game. You know, yesterday he beat himself twice in tic-tac-toe. Probably invented some new games along the way. And I also think he spent a lot of time in prayer because Elijah was a prophet and he learned to spend hours and hours probably at the school of the prophets now it does look like God called him right out of farming but I wonder if he'd had some connection with the schools of the prophets he'd learned from them how to pray in intense ways and for hours upon end and remember he's here all by himself and what else is he gonna do but play tic-tac-toe and I spy with my little eye Something beginning with sand, and and then he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I think he would pour out his heart to Yahweh, probably praying for the nation of Israel, asking God not to destroy them and interceding on their behalf. And as a prophet, he was probably praying, and then he probably heard the news through 
listening at various towns. Maybe he snuck in to listen to find out the latest news. He probably heard the bad news that a hundred prophets had been killed by Jezebel and Ahab in their insistence in making Baal the number one god in Israel. To do that, they wiped out the prophets of Yahweh, or at least they tried to. They killed over 100. And these were probably some of his friends, and maybe Elijah was mourning to God about that. But there was a manhunt on for Elijah. They were looking for him. He was the one with enough arrogance to come in front of Ahab and Jezebel. And they wanted to get him back. But God called him. And now God is protecting him. I mean, this is a long drought. When he comes in and sticks his finger in the nose of Ahab and says, you know, there's going to be a drought. This thing lasts for three years and six months. And we don't know how long he was there hiding by that brook Cherith. But one day Elijah wakes up and rubs his belly. And he's like, man, I don't know. What are the ravens going to bring today? And, you know, maybe he stuck his straw into the brook and... It was sand. The brook had dried up. The drought's getting worse. And he finally went upstream a little bit and found where the water was still there. And he took a drink. He's running out of water. The drought's starting to impact him. But he knew God called him. He knew Yahweh told him to go hide here. He was running out of water, though, and he's running out of time to be able to hide here in the middle of this desert area. And So I can imagine that day when he's praying to Yahweh. Yahweh talks to him, as it says in 1 Kings 17, that Yahweh tells him that Elijah, guess what? You've got to get up. And you've got to move. Now, Now, literally, it says to rise up. And that's why I think he's praying on his face to God, because God has to tell him to rise up. I've got a new place to send you, Elijah. You've got to get up. And I can imagine Elijah saying, phew, great. I was starting to get worried there with the water running out. And, and you know, those ravens, I am excited about the food they bring me. But, you know, when they drop it. It's a little awkward there, God. You know, those ravens watching me eat, they just sort of stare at me, Lord. And I'm thinking, hey, thanks for the food, ravens. You can go away now. But they just stare at me, expecting me to share. So I give them a little bit, and then it gets a little weird. But eventually they go away. But you know what? I, I am getting a little tired of those ravens. <laughs> it's a little odd. But hey, I'm excited. Is the drought over? No, I can imagine God says. Am, am I no longer being hunted? No, God says, you are the number one outlaw in Israel. Every night when Israel's Most Wanted comes on TV, you're right there at the top. Your face is plastered all over Israel. Ahab and Jezebel are still looking for you. And God says, Elijah, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the city of Zarephath in Sidon. 
And Elijah's like, yes, Zarephath. Oh. Elijah pauses. Then he thinks. And then he says, what? Are you insane? Sending me all the way to Zarephath in Sidon? Do you know that's Jezebel's dad's country? That's where Jezebel grew up. That's her dad. He runs that whole area. And you want me to go to Zarephath? To Jezebel's dad's own country? See, what Elijah did not know was that Ahab had been searching all over Israel. Under every rock, in every chicken house, opera house, outhouse, all over that country. He searched everywhere. And then Ahab went to all the other neighboring countries and made them promise that if they spotted Elijah, that they would let him, Ahab, know. Little did Elijah know, and maybe it began to gradually dawn on him, that the best place for God to place him to hide, the best place for Elijah to hide would be in the very backyard of Jezebel and in the middle of one of the biggest concentrations of Baal worship there was. If Yahweh is going to hide one of his main prophets from the people searching him, why not put him? right in front of them, in the middle of Baal worship, in the middle of this pagan country, because they never ever think that Elijah would have the chutzpah, the moxie, the guts to hide in Jezebel's own home country. But that's exactly where God led him. And I can imagine Elijah's thinking, oh, I see, God, this is a brilliant plan. So he's excited. All right, let's go. And so I go to Zarephath, then what? And then God says, Elijah, when you get there, I want you to stay with a widow woman. Elijah thinks, what? A widow woman? A little person? No, a widow woman. That's what I said, a widow woman. Someone shorter than me. No, you idiot. A widow woman. Someone who has no husband. Oh, a widow woman who's a widow. Right. I want you to stay with a widow woman and her widow boy. The boy's a little person too? No, no. Just go to Zarephath, Elijah, and find a widow woman and... I'll just tell you the rest when you get there. So Elijah heads off. Now, it's about an 80 to 90 mile walk. And I wonder how he got through Israel without being seen. Or maybe he skirted around Israel. Because again, where he has to go, Sidon, later known as Phoenicia, is north of Israel. But remember, Elijah's a hard guy to hide because he's got one of the most well-known outfits in all of Israel, a nasty camel hair tunic with a leather belt. And, you know, I wonder if he got around by just, you know, sneaking around, traveling at night. Maybe he carried a cutout cardboard bush with him. Or maybe God just said, every time someone sees him, they're not going to see him. 
you know, before Jedi mind tricks got famous, I think God was working on behalf of his child, Elijah, and protecting him in the same way. You know, somebody might have said, there's Elijah. And then Elijah goes, you did not see Elijah. And they said, oh, you know what? I did not see Elijah. I don't know exactly, but I do know this, that Elijah trusted in Jehovah. He trusted in Yahweh. And he trusted in what God commanded him to do. And he would just trusted that God would take care of the details. And so he had it off. I think he probably traveled at night. I think he probably hid as best he could. But ultimately, God was the one that takes care of him. And I wonder if he thought as he walked, you know, it's interesting. Elijah probably was thinking, God takes care of me in the most bizarre way. You know, first of all, he he feeds me with ravens, okay? And ravens are unclean animals. We can't eat them as Jews, but God chooses an unclean animal to bring food for me to eat. That's amazing. And now here, Elijah's thinking, in the middle of this drought where things aren't growing, there's hardly any food, there's hardly any water, God sends me to be taken care of by one of the poorest people in society. The people who in the middle of a drought would probably not have anything to feed me with. You know, he doesn't send me to a king who might have lots of money to buy food from other countries. He doesn't send me to some wealthy farmer. He sends me to a widow woman, not a short woman, but a woman whose husband has just died. And she has no money. And she, in the ranks of society back then, was the lowest of the low and poor. And God's going to take care of me through an incredibly poor person who probably can't even feed herself. Why? You know, he's thinking, why, God? Why do you use unclean birds and a Gentile, wretchedly poor widow woman? You know, I think Elijah knew the answer. But I think it's a good question to ask. It's amazing how God took care of Elijah in, in the most unique way possible, using unclean animals and sending him to the one of the poorest people who can barely take care of herself. I think God chose this because he wanted Elijah to know where does your help and safety come from, Elijah? Where should your assurance come from? Your ability? No. Your ability as a prophet? No. Your ability to speak? No. Your money? No. Your connections? No. Ultimately, all of your life, Elijah, comes down to me. I want you to know that I protect you. I provide for you. I will watch over you. And I, and I think that's an exciting thing to think about as a Christian. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you serve that exact same God. And you can say at the end of the day, my wealth, my health, everything I have does not come from my, my money or my job. I need to owe it all and turn, turn to God completely in thankfulness and say, you are my help and you are my safety. So 80 to 90 miles later, finally, Elijah arrives in the town of Zarephath, and he comes to the gates of the city. 
Now, back then, the gates of the city was the happening place to be. If you wanted to see people, you had to go to the gates of the city. That's where all the business was taking place. That's where people were buying and trading stuff. I mean, today you might go to the mall. You might go to your local Walmart. You know, that's where Elijah would go today. But back then, it says he went to the gates of the city, and that's where he's going to find people. And plus, that's where God told him to go. And so there he starts looking for this widow woman, you know. He's thinking, all right, I've got to find a really short, short woman, a widow woman. And then an even shorter boy, her widow boy. No, wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, no, no, no. A woman who's a widow and her boy. So I've got to find a woman who recently lost her husband and her little boy. Huh. Maybe Elijah starts looking around and he thinks to himself, how am I going to spot a woman who's a widow? I mean, does she look sadder than the rest, you know? Is she going to have a particular look, maybe a glow about her? Well, some people think the woman he does find was recently widowed. In other words, her, her husband had probably just died. And so Elijah finally spotted a woman who was still wearing her mourning clothes. Because back then, when somebody died, you would wear black for a period of time. Or you would wear some sort of mourning clothes and probably so would her son. And finally, Elijah, oh, look there. There's a woman wearing mourning clothes. And he sees this widow woman and her widow boy picking up sticks. He comes to her and... And he says, widow woman, could you get me a glass of water from that well over there? So the woman looks at him and thinks, why doesn't he go get his own water? But being a kind woman, she's like, all right, I'll get you some water. And she starts to move towards the well. And then Elijah stops her and says, hey, hey, could you bring me some bread also from your home? Because I'm hungry. Now, the verse says there that Elijah asks, can you bring me some bread from your hand? Now, it's not like she was carrying bread around with her. Remember, this is a poor widow woman. She doesn't have bread. But that word hand implies something in your possession, something that you would have in your home. So Elijah's saying, give me some water. And, and by the way, could you just bring me some bread from your home too? Because I am hungry and Maybe she drops her sticks on the ground. And, and this is where I think that she might be a believer, a follower of God, because she turns to Elijah and says this, As the Lord your God lives, as Yahweh, she claims Yahweh. I mean, how does she know Elijah's a prophet? I don't know. Maybe the Lord was talking to her. Maybe she sensed something different about Elijah, but she turns him and says, as the Lord, as Yahweh your God lives. Maybe she starts to cry. I have nothing baked. I don't have any bread. I can't bring you anything. All I have at home is a handful of flour in a jar. And a little bit of oil in a jug. That's all I've got. And I was going to take these sticks back home and, and make myself a fire and heat up my rock there. And then pour the little bit of oil and the little bit of flour. 
make myself one last pancake. And then me and my son, we were going to eat it. And then we were going to die. It's interesting, this widow woman was used by God. And, and later in Luke 21, Jesus uses this woman as an illustration of how salvation works. Because he says there was a lot of widows in Israel, but God instead sent Elijah to a Gentile land to minister to a Gentile widow. And this widow, this Gentile widow would then minister to Elijah. See, here she was preparing to die, but something about Elijah made her pause. And again, like it said through her language, it seems that she worshiped Yahweh already, for, for she claims Yahweh lives. But here the widow woman, and Jesus later says, this widow woman exhibited a faith not in Israel. He was using her as an example of salvation, how salvation is through faith alone, and that faith can be exhibited by Gentiles who are outside God's covenant back then. And this is proof here that this widow woman, she steps out in faith because Elijah says, all right, all right, so you want to die? Well, hey, instead of dying, Elijah says, I want you to go to your home, make me a pancake, and then make some for yourself. And the widow woman says, have you not just heard how much I have? A little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I have nothing. I can make one pancake barely and that's it. And then we're going to die. And Elijah leans in, maybe puts his hands on her shoulders and says, listen, listen, widow woman. Yahweh has told me that if you go back home and pour out some flour and add some oil and make me a pancake, that the oil in your jug and the flour in that jar, it will never, ever run out. See, here's the test of faith I mentioned earlier, you know? She could have said, I'm not going to believe you, Elijah. And ultimately, if she did, she'd say, I don't trust Yahweh. Instead, she follows God. In the middle of Baal worship land, she could get in trouble for worshiping Yahweh. She says, I'm going to believe you, Elijah. I'm going to do exactly what you say. And so she goes home. She goes to make her pancakes and she looks down into her jug and maybe pops off the cork. Pook looks in and she maybe is thinking there's going to be oil in there and she looks down and oh there's just a little bit of oil just a little bit just like I thought and she heats up a rock and she pours out her oil on the hot stove and it begins to sizzle they made food back then by heating up rocks okay and and this flat surface would then get hot sort of like a griddle today and then she goes over and looks at her, unscrews the lid, takes it off and sticks her hand in. And nope, there's no flour except all the way at the bottom. There's just a little, little handful. Just like I thought. A little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. She throws it on the oil and it starts to, to sizzle and 
So then she pulls out her Phoenician spatula and maybe she's thinking I'm mad at this point. I should have asked that guy for money. What was I thinking? But man, I've got to trust Yahweh. He's my God. She looks down on her pancake and, you know, she waits for the little bubbles to form at the top. Because that's when you know when you're supposed to flip a pancake, I found out, is when the edges get a little firm and there's bubbles at the top. She then took her Phoenician spatula and went underneath it and floop, flipped that pancake, sizzled again. She made a pancake. She looks over at Elijah. Here you go, and gives them the pancake. And then she says, all right, let's see how this works. And she grabs that jug, and she lifts it up. And what? It feels a little heavier. And she goes to pour it, and, you know, she only expected a little bit in there, so she poured it quite fast, and all of a sudden, a lot of oil comes out, and she's like, what? Starts sizzling, and then she reaches down, and whoa, there's flour at the top, and she takes out the flour, and she throws it on the the oil, and she makes a pancake for her son, and then she pours out the oil, and she pours out the flour, and she makes another pancake for herself i can imagine in that day she probably made a hundred they were so hungry says she made enough pancakes for her elijah her widow boy and her entire household i wouldn't be surprised if people started to hear and people started to come and she's making pancakes all day and it says there in first Kings 17 that as long as this drought lasted remember three years and six months that that jug never ran out of oil and that jar never ran out of flour. I mean, I can imagine there was a line around the block trying to eat her pancakes, you know, and she could have started the first IHOP, but they had to keep it quiet because this was Yahweh. Shh, it wasn't Baal providing, it was Yahweh. Shh, don't tell anyone. But that widow over there, she was given endless pancakes by a God named Yahweh, I can imagine. Maybe her household and, and her neighbors are telling people, hey, if you're starving, go over to that widow woman. She has got the best pancakes, and they're provided by this God named Yahweh, not Baal. But don't tell anybody, because if the Baal police find out, they will shut it down. So keep it quiet. Now, remember, the drought lasted for three years and six months. So I wonder, do you think they ever got sick of pancakes every day? Hey, let's have pancakes for supper. Hey, let's have pancakes for lunch. How about some for breakfast? And everybody's like, yay. No, I don't think so. I think in the middle of a drought where people are starving and they see a miraculous provision by the Lord, instead of worshiping Baal, they're worshiping Yahweh. And see, this is another slam right there in the face of Baal, right in his own backyard. Because Baal is the storm cloud God, right? He provides the rain, and so people would worship him and thank him for the crops that he produced. Well, God shows that Baal's nothing. I control the rain. I just shut it off. But you know what? If I want to provide oil, I, Yahweh, have control over the oil 
and the flower and the miraculous things that happen in other countries. See, back then they thought they thought gods were stuck to certain countries or, or certain regions like a hill or a, or a valley or a mountain or a river. And Yahweh says, I am God over Israel. They are my people. But if I want to, I can perform miracles in Phoenicia, Sidon, Zarephath, the whole world. God is not just the God of the valleys or the hills or the rain. He is Lord over everything. So Elijah, this tough prophet, probably for the next two years, he lives with this widow woman and her widow boy. And it says they made him this room right there on the roof, his own little apartment. And I can imagine for the next two years, he started to love this family. So they would sit around eating pancake after pancake, and they would talk maybe about Yahweh, and maybe Elijah would lead them in the worship of Yahweh and, and, and just telling them about the miraculous God he served. And maybe he played soccer you know, with the little boy, or maybe he actually played tic-tac-toe with somebody else apart from himself, and he just enjoyed everything. Every moment with his family and one night I can imagine or one day I would say he's there laying on his bed up in the uh, roof apartment just reveling in what God Yahweh the amazing God is doing when all of a sudden he hears it ah! and there's a scream and Elijah's like what in the world and he runs downstairs and he finds the widow woman weeping and she's holding her widow boy. The little boy was dead. Completely, absolutely dead. And the widow woman is crying. And she's just weeping with utter distress. And when Elijah comes in, she turns to him and she accuses Elijah. She literally says to him, What have I done to you, prophet? that you would report my sin to Yahweh. Isn't that interesting? When Elijah comes running down, she, she, she says to him, what have you against me, O man of God, that you have reported my sin to Yahweh, that you've come to bring my sin to remembrance and cause the death of my son? See, it's interesting. When bad things happen, we immediately think God's condemning us. God is judging us. Maybe she had some sort of sin she was keeping in her life, or maybe she had some anger. I don't know, but she immediately thinks her son was killed because of sin. And Elijah, he'd reported that sin to Yahweh, and now she's been judged. She was just sure that God was punishing her. She just knew it. But Elijah... He didn't say a word. You know, he knew this isn't the way his God acts. He basically says to her this. He says, give me your son. So she picks him up, gives him to Elijah. Elijah takes the boy in his arms. He carries him all the way up to his room in the upper chamber. He lays the boy down on the bed. And he himself, he loves this widow boy, and he, he's crushed himself, and he cries out to God, Oh, Yahweh, my God, says in verse 20, 
Have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I'm staying by killing her son? This widow woman lost her husband, and now you're going to even bring these bad things upon this poor woman by killing her son? I think Elijah doesn't really know what's happening here, you know, and, and he's probably wondering, what is God doing? I don't think he was blaming God. I just think he was asking the question. He was just wondering, why'd you kill him? Why'd you add even more burden to this woman's life? She has a tough life already. Why, God? Why? He's just asking. So in the middle of his grief, he begs for the life of of the boy. Then he lays, like I said, he's laid the boy down on his bed, and it says in 1 Kings 17 that he then stretches himself out over the boy. And he begs, Lord, please bring back the soul of this boy to life. And he pauses. Then he gets back up, pokes him, nothing. The boy is still dead. And then he stretches himself across the boy again and cries out, Lord, please revive the soul of this boy, please. And he gets back up, nothing. You know, he checks his breath and no, the boy's still not breathing. He's still dead. Then one last time, Elijah stretches himself out across the boy and he cries out, Lord, please save this boy. Bring him back to life. And then Elijah gets up and he looks and. Well, if you want to find out what happens to the boy, you got to come back next week or read ahead in First Kings 17. But I'm telling you, man, the story of Elijah is full of exciting stories like this. And ultimately, at the end of this story, I think we come back to God and Yahweh, who took care of Elijah in the most miraculous ways. And then later on, Jesus references this very story to show that this widow woman had more faith than most of the people in Israel. She had enough faith to say, this is a bizarre request by this prophet, but I trust that God behind Elijah. I don't think she so much trusted Elijah as I think she trusted Yahweh. She says, all right, I'm going to put my faith in what God says he can do. And I just want to encourage you guys. We need to trust God. No matter where we are in life right now, I don't know, maybe you're struggling with health. Maybe you're struggling with finances. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety and various things like that. I just want to encourage you at this point, whatever you're struggling with, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your abilities. Don't look at your money. But look to God and say, I'm going to bank my promises. I'm going to bank my life on the promises of God. I'm going to bank everything I have on him. Because that's what Elijah did. That's what the widow woman did. She banked her life on the promises of God. And I just want to say once again, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, if you have never asked him to save you, man, you are missing out because we serve an awesome God who says once you're his child, once you've asked him by faith to save you, 
That's all it says, right? In Acts, as it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And later on in Romans 10, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord, all who call upon Jesus to save him shall be saved. That's it. Just ask him to save you and he promises that he will. And once you do that, the same God that Elijah served back thousands of years ago, He's that same God who invites you to be his child today by following his son, Jesus. And I just encourage you to do that today so that we and you, we can begin to live this miraculous life just like Elijah did. We can follow this amazing God. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.